Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the GNT Show. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host with the most. It is 5.30 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. We have, first of all, before I introduce him, we will apologize uh, that we did miss last week's show. Just um, to tell you the truth, I'll introduce him at the same time. My co-host with the most, a man who has been under a criminal investigation for the last two weeks after after running a line in the over 45s and causing such a kerfuffle that both teams complained to the association, the police, the United Nations and the World Health Organization. And G has been under quite a bit of pressure justifying his performance as a linesman. And as a result, we weren't able to get this podcast out. G. How are you going, T? I'm good. A bit boring running the line. It was cold. Um, I missed a couple of calls because... At least they didn't lead to controversial goals. No, they did. Um, but, you know, one of the teams surprisingly films it and probably breaks down their tactics during the week so they go watch the video. Yeah. I wonder if they'll I wonder if they'll wonder who is that gentleman in Lycra on the sideline running a line. Should, should we share that story with our no, listeners no, as, that, as you try to try on a jersey, the largest no. jersey actually that exists in the club and... It looked like you were going out for a Sunday morning bike ride on the North Shore. I have to join the mammals on the North Shore. You know, you've got to, we've got to play the part. I think they would waive their entrance fee for you. They would. They'd probably even buy me a bike and um, you know, cycle all the way up Karinko Chase National Park. Yeah, that's where you do your best work, G. All right, like I said, we've missed our last couple of weeks. <laughs> it's been a massive couple of weeks in the news and we do have two rounds to cover. We're going to do it a little bit differently. We won't. We probably won't go into in depth into every game, given there's 16 games to cover. Um, but and then we've got the buy round this weekend um, with only four games. So let's cover off the big news over the last fortnight. <coughs> last we left. What you, hasn't happened? Trent. Bar- last we left you, Trent Barrett had. Um, he'd been sacked. But he'd been sacked basically. Yep. And Mick Potter, a Bulldogs legend, also a Saints legend. Yes, correct. One of the very one. I, one, I think he might be the only player to have won the Dally M medal with two different clubs. Yep. Um, he's been appointed as interim Bulldogs coach. Gee, what are your thoughts on Mick Potter? They they had no other option. I think Mick Potter, you know, historically always did really well with the lower grades that he took took charge of. I think he, he took charge of the Tigers, and if you read some of the stuff, he never really got... It, it was a tumultuous time at the Tigers, which apparently made his, his reign quite difficult as a coach. But he, look, he's always done a job. Um, in the lower grades and oh, I can already see a little bit of improvement I think you needed him as an interim and we'll just have to see who the new coach would be Mick Potter's a good fill-in for the rest of the year he, he coaches in the right with the right spirit and mentality and things have already changed you, you can already see that on the field you can you can you still can't score points um... we can't score now we just can't our defense is worse <laughs> We've, 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 we've fixed one problem and started sort of <laughs> created another poor Bulldogs fans now, G, Phil mm. Gould has come out and he said oh, that God, uh, no yeah. one's actually you know, no one's actually applied for the role. Is this the same Phil Gould that said Trent Barrett will be coaching long before he he leaves the club a week before he left? Okay, yeah, okay. I grant you, he doesn't have a great track record. So I, I think I'll take Phil's comments with a grain of salt. Who do you think should be the long term coach? I don't know. I think there's a, there is a push for Super Jimmy Dimmick. He'd have to get back to Super Monica, but I think Jim, I think Jim Dimmick would be a terrible appointment. Now I think the Jim Dimmick window is closed, and what they've I'm going to go. We're going to go into the Titans. 
I, I, I think there's nothing there redeeming about the Titans. You know, Brad Fittler's been floated. I don't think Shane Flanagan will work because Phil Gould's there, and I can't see that working. No, I don't think it w- works. I think Shane Flanagan is a pretty is a very good coach. I just don't think it'll work with Phil Gould there. Brad Fittler is someone like uh, the the reason why I mentioned Dimmick and Fittler is I like the way they think about the game when. In terms of the way they well, play, as, and a, the as philosophy. opposed to who you would like, who do you think they will appoint? I think it might be someone like Brad Fittler. I can't really see I, it being I can't anybody for else. The life of me, understand but why would he do why it? Brad, why Correct. would Brad Fittler do it? Because honestly, I can't see anyone else. I can't see why Seraldo will go there, and then who's the Seraldo? Seraldo's already putting out vibes that he doesn't want a bar of it. That's that's. In, in fact, Geraldo's negotiating a contract extension to be assistant coach at... There you go. I mean, and look, who's left over? If you want someone who's experienced, who, who's left? Like a Jeff Tuvey or someone like that? Phil Gould did say that it, had, it needs to be an experienced coach. Yeah, well, that doesn't leave much. Yeah, your options are running out, right? Look, I hope it is Fittler. I mean, I hope it's Jason Taylor. <laughs> I hope it isn't. Um, I hope it's Jason Taylor. But, uh, honestly, the there's there's not many. This club is so poorly run that it could be Jason Taylor. Look, who knows? I do hope it's Fitler, but I think with say a Fitler or a Dimmick, you need the support structures around them. They're not defensive dynamos in terms of the way they coach. But you know, the, there's a whole assistant um, coach set up now. Any truth to the rumor that they're looking to appoint Jack Gibson? Mate, who knows? He's got a lot of experience. Um, but He's also not alive. Correct. I really don't know where they go from here if they need an experienced coach. Flanagan's the best out there. So I don't know what they do. But, you know, Fittler and Gould have got a very tight relationship. So I, I don't know. that. I think there's... I don't, I don't think that's a good reason to appoint a coach. For Phil Gould, it probably is. <laughs> well, well, I'm just yeah. saying, so the only reason you want to appoint someone who's tight to you is because they'll do what you say. Like, is that is that really what you want from a coach? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, but the thing is, I and have Brad a feeling Fittler Phil Gould does. Have a reputation for bringing on youngsters and developing youngsters. I'm not sure he's that type of coach. That That's a bit of unknown. I, I think he did well at the Roosters, but he didn't quite have the discipline to run a club back then. And I think the same with Dimmick. I don't know if he has the discipline to run the club, but the way they want to play football is the right way. So they need a support structure around them. But honestly, they need a, a performance team to get the players up to scratch and physically fit enough to perform. And they're lacking in that area as well. So we'll see where it goes. It's it's very um it's it's a very important decision for the club. All right. Well, speaking of coaching decisions, Craig Bellamy's decided to go around one more year as head coach after speaking to Joey Johns and looking around the rest of the NRL. This was one of my yeah. favourite stories, yeah. and and the article and it ran for a few days in the papers. What did you, the, the the coach whisperer Joey? What did he say to you? You're a long time retired. So Craig, you took eighteen <laughs> months to make your decision. And Joey John saying to you, you're a long time retired, all of a sudden swung your thinking to go around one more year. I'm glad that that was the tipping point, but um, I think I said it before. I think Craig Bellamy may not be the decision-making genius we thought he was. No, he's, he's looked around the NRL and thought, you know what, I'm staying here. There's nothing much better around. Well, I think, I think, I think who the coach is going to be is going to have a big bearing on whether Cam Munster stays or not, actually. I think the Storm will hedge their bets. I think if he wants too much money and they can't get there, I think they'll let him go and they'll target another 5'8". Like who? Because halves don't grow on trees. I wouldn't surprise me if they go after Matt Burden if they let Munster go, to be honest. Oh, he'd be a perfect signing. Yeah. To play 5'8", though? I, th- I think the Storm will he do that, He hasn't set yes. the world on fire no. at the Bulldogs, mate. 
No, but the, the potential's Everyone there. Everyone can see the potential. Everyone can see the potential. I agree with that. Everyone can see the potential. I think he might be willing to leave as well, and it just coincides perfectly with Munster leaving. So that that's my thing. If Munster does leave, I think they'll go after someone like that. Why wouldn't Redcliffe go after Matt Burton? Why wouldn't they go why wouldn't Redcliffe go after another club other than the Parramatta Eels and the Storm. I don't know because they're trying to sign everyone from Parramatta and the Storm first. Fucking Redcliffe. Go fuck <laughs> yourself, Wayne. All right. It's, Let's move on. Yeah, go. Let's move on. All right. In other news, I've got I've got some NRL women's news here as well. Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle have signed with the Newcastle Knights. Now, they've got a new rule like the A-League. They've got that rule in the salary cap in the NRL women's where marquee signings don't count towards the cap. Okay. And they're each on about they're each on about a hundred grand a year, which is a great step forward and will drive the salaries up, I think, in the NRL women's. That's 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 great to hear that. It's not ultra huge money, but it's good money um, and allows them to at least be a full time professional. Um, and it is a marquee signing, but like you say, I think we're trending upwards with the NRL women's. So that's a, that's a good sign. Excellent. That is a good sign. Yeah. I mean, it's not your type of dough, but no, it's not. No, I mean you've just been re-signed. On Payne Haas money. Of course I have. Yes, people are fighting over my signature. Is it true? You're, is it true you're walking around the office asking people to refer to you as Haas? I am, and I'm wearing white shoes. I'm known as White Shoes Haas in the office now. White yeah. Shoes Haas. Made a guest Excellent. appearance. Yeah. Let's keep going. We do have a lot of news to get to, to cover off. Yep. Um, the the stoush between we covered off the stoush between the Australian Rugby League and the New South Wales Rugby League last pod and and the court case and the appeal and all the rest of it we've covered it off. New, the New South Wales Rugby League asked for two million dollars to run the State of Origin program this year. Yes, yes. And and the Emperor said, "Thou shall not be getting it." Okay, I didn't even need to read that to know where that was going. <laughs> so what this what what I can only imagine is that when they're in Queensland and Perth, the New South Wales Origin players will be billeted out to local families. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, Do they need to fill out forms? Would you they like need to, to fill out forms? You... Parental consent, I believe, will be required. Well, correct. What happens if they've signed up and they say, look, we want Josh Adokar and he's no longer coming? I mean, how does that work? Do you get upset? Do I you mean, make the best trades? thing that ever happened to Josh Adokar was he didn't get um, picked for Origin. Yeah, because at least he gets to stay in his own bed. You're correct. But, you know, who else? Like Ryan Madison? Or what if the player's crap and doesn't deserve to be there? I mean, do you want Tar- Tariq Sim sleeping over? Mate, you don't want Tariq Sim sleeping <laughs> over. Let me tell you. That's not, What's that's for not breakfast? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A whole leg of lamb, 50 <laughs> eggs, and a protein shake. Thanks. Uh, wouldn't be great. All right. So that, that I, I did find that quite humorous. <laughs> a couple of stories that were less humorous. Yes. Curtis Scott was found not guilty of assault. Yeah, I saw, after the, saw that. Yeah, after the incident last year. And he's now launched an action against the Raiders for unfair dismissal and lost earnings. I mean, can you blame him? I mean, in terms of, in his eyes, I mean, this is, anyway. This is, a person, this is a person who has a very, very... Sketchy record, the, yes. Well, well, the rumours around him are, are very sketchy, yes. Uh, and that's why I said specifically from his perspective, if he he's saying I'm innocent, I haven't done anything. You've sacked me with no on no grounds, so I was unfairly unfairly terminated. So from from his perspective, he's doing the right things. And, and I'm not talking about Curtis Scott in particular, but that thing is actually not a bad precedent in terms of challenging this dismissal because some of these clubs can get you know with some of these lesser players can be quite brutal if there's any off-field incident and just terminate them you know if they're not really a player that they really care about too much so this might balance that that power ledger slightly 
you know, for any future incidents which aren't as bad. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, right? Let's see what comes from it. But there's no, but the fact that he's suing the Raiders means I think he's basically given up on his NRL and rugby league. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because he was a good player. A very good player. Very good player. Perhaps he can go play NFL because the NFL is launching an office in Australia, particularly on the Gold Coast later this year, with the view to targeting Australian, Kiwi and Pacific Island players. The threat isn't AFL to the NRL. The threat is this. This is a genuine threat. I would say not really because they're very, very particular in the way they scout. The, the threat is they're going to poach some of these up-and-coming youngsters and try to turn them into, you know, a, well, a position player. they're not 25-year-olds. That's exactly who they're No, looking. but someone like, say, for example, you talk about a Luki or a, you know, a Nanai or someone like that or um, a, a Cobo who has got amazing pace and athleticism. No, and no, Cobo won't go. He won't, won't go, go, but say just as an example. No, well, he, he, he Cobo's the same build as GI. He's not the right build for it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who they target. If it's mainly sort of offensive linemen, these big, huge behemoths. I can't help but feel Payne Haas would have been a good NFL player. Someone like him? Um, that's who they're pr- probably looking at. I don't think they're looking at skill players necessarily. Maybe like no, a I running back, that. like I a Jared Hayne or Holmes. But we don't have that many players like that that fit the NRL, NFL. Really. Well, and running backs in the NFL are a dime a dozen. That's not where your salary cap goes at the moment. They're looking after a Jordan the- Maylata, these six foot six big units like a Payne Haas that can stamina strength. Do you think they're looking for linesmen? I would say so, yeah, because the athleticism, the tackling, the the defence. Oh no, I meant football linesmen. People who wear very tight shirts to run a line at football. I'm available. Are you? Actually, at least I drive some controversy, which makes me a good candidate for an NFL ref. I could not agree with you more, G. What could possibly go wrong with you in the NFL? In fact, you might see me in the UEFA Champions League final next year as the linesman. As what? As the linesman on the As side. As security to yes. let the fans well, in? Yeah, yeah well, it, probably they need me out there to sort that mishap out. My God, what a debacle. Uh, do, you think you're the, do you think you're the man to sort that out? Yeah, just let everyone in with the fake, t- fake tickets. Hey, just push kickoff back, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Bloody, what a debacle that was, anyway. World Cup year. England coach was out here. England coach was out here. And it looks like Sam Walker and Jackson Hastings qualify for England. Sam Walker was born in the UK when ben, his dad, Ben, was playing oh, over is that there. right? I didn't know that. Okay, yep. Uh, why would you? We only host a footy podcast. Correct. Jackson yep. Hastings um, qualifies through his grandmother. It looks like they could get picked for England. Uh, you know what? Not a bad... Not a bad um... And three of the start, four starting props for Origin, which we're going to talk about the Origin selection yes, a later. Yes, we will. Played for Samoa in their last test. The World Cup's going to be interesting. If 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 these teams don't, if these players don't play for Australia and end up playing for the other teams, that will be interesting. It will be, and I think it'll be really great to see. You know, the the Tongan team last time out played un- unbelievable footy, and um, they just sort of ran out of puff against some of the bigger teams. But they got really close to beating. <laughs> Australia and New Zealand and stuff like they that. Did. So, they did, yeah. you know, it's. I think it's going to be. There's going to be about five or six teams which are going to be really good, which is great to see. Actually, let's keep moving. Um, I, we're nearly. I've got. I've got like three or four bulldog stories, but I'm going of to course. save them for the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it, we would have a much shorter intro to this show, we would for Phil Gould and the Bulldogs, and the fact that. Buzz Rothfield has got an absolute vendetta against Phil Gould. Correct, yeah. And there's a, like a random, we are seriously a degenerating Phil news Gould did a week. fart and went to the toilet on Saturday. Why wasn't he at the game? <laughs> just, just, just ridiculous anyway. <laughs> it's so petty. It's it so is. fucking petty. All right. Let's, let's, let's do other news. Now, 
We're also going to talk about Payne Haas, but the yes. Roosters were um, rumoured to be targeting Selwyn Cobbo. Uncle Nick's giving him a call from overseas. Of course, And of course, yes. Payne Haas as well. Of course. And Cam Munster. Yes. So, so what Nick, Uncle Nick's sitting there doing is going, no one outrots the salary cap for us. And given Phil is applying his dark arts at Dynasty Restaurant to cut yes. some deals over the line at the Dogs, yes. we, we we wish to reclaim our crowd as the as the number one rotters so, of the cap. Yes, so you know what, Phil, you're signing Reed Marnie. We're just going to go after every big talent that's coming through for a million dollars a year. We'll just and we've let go of Angus Crichton, who's on a four million dollars when he gets let go. Well, I think Angus Crichton will go back to rugby. That's my view. It's a rug. It's a it's a it's a rugby World Cup year next year. He was a very 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 good rugby player. He might, and it looks like they're trying to push him out a little bit um, to free up their seven million dollar cap. So, and and can I say? Can I just say? I know it's a rugby league podcast. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. Wallabies merchandise, the new jerseys, the hoodies, the Ranger, the the job Asics do with the Wallabies. No one in the NRL has as good a. Oh, I think there's a few teams. I think South South do a pretty good job with their merchandise. I reckon. Oh dear, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. It, no, you can get Wallabies. You can get Wallabies merchandise every everywhere in Australia. It's it's the the colours they pick, the way they do it, the quality of the material. I think it's quite good. I, I I've said I've said all along that they should do a deal like um. The Nike, NBA. yeah, they, yeah should. they should. Just well, whether it's Nike, Adidas, whoever it is. I mean, it could even be Macron. I don't care. But you go and you give the whole lot to someone, you know, and you make a big deal out of it, right? So I agree with you. It seems to me to be yep. low-hanging low fruit. It, it is, absolutely, because each team has variable qualities in things and different styles and designs, um, which is fine. I think that's, there's a room for that. But I think sometimes some of South's urban wear type things look kind of good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all you wear, though, right? South's urban wear. Correct. That's right. I wander around Redfin, Redfin Oval. Well, I mean, you only wear the tops, though. What are you wearing at the bottom? My Dragon's um, Indigenous shorts, which I actually really liked, actually, this weekend. Oh, good. Good. Yep. That's excellent. You should have worn them when you were running a line. Correct. All right. All right. Let's keep moving, because we do yep. have a lot of news to cover. Tommy Turbo has been ruled out for the season. He has. Yeah. Huge loss. for That basically... Kills off does the that put a line through it? them? Yeah, I was I going to ask so. you, does that put a line through man? I think so. I, I he hasn't think been playing that well this year. He hasn't. He's either carrying an injury or has been the whole year. Something hasn't been right anyway. That's the career of Tommy Turbo. Brilliant seasons interspersed with um, numerous injuries, unfortunately. So it's sad to see him out. He, he's unbelievable to watch. So that's not a good thing, but... I think Mandy will adjust. They'll, they'll fight out, I think, for the bottom of the eight because that's just Dez will sort of try to get them up to win 50% of the games and that might get them in. But in terms of any top six or top four aspirations, I think they're done for the year now. Tune in later on this year when the tipster extraordinaire G uh, gives his predictions on Manly in the grand final. Well, no. Last year, they relied a lot on their, their basically counter-attacking pace and, and breakaway pace with Turbo and Jason Saab and they don't have that now. And they're just... Um, Attack-wise, they're not quite there to beat any of the really good sides now. It's it's not it's not. I don't. You know what? I I really I know you focus on that. It's because the wrestles back in the game. That is also part of it. It's not that Ruben Garrick's gotten slower. It's that broken that broken field momentum set after set things gone. Yeah, that 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 has some element to it. But I think now when they're it's, making it's, breaks, it's, it's it's all of the element to it. Yeah, good old NRL. Slight tweak yeah, to the play the ball so, and the yeah, whole game yeah, correct, changes. Correct, correct, correct. That those rules suited those types of teams, and these rules don't. I mean, it's as simple as that, really. 
but I, I do think you know they're good enough to sort of win fifty percent of their games just because that's what Des does in a way. The the player whisperer, yeah. Skeletor had yes. Ryan Madison up there. Of course he did. Yes. Yeah, and now it looks like he's going to sign there. Every second row we've got, we're going to be left with Sean Lane, Nathan <laughs> Brown. Don't worry, the Bulldogs have got about fifty of them, so we can just give oh you some. Oh my god, we got no outside backs, and we've gone from having a plethora of second rows to none. Now he did get picked for Origin. Yeah. He he's been coming off the bench for us, which is interesting, and he got picked for Origin. He has been good, and he can play on an edge or through the middle, so that's also helpful. But interesting that um, I mean their problem isn't back rowers. Yeah, I, I just think I just think they need a spine. They're going to be like the Bulldogs. They're going to be terrible without a spine. Wayne Bennett's going to do the right thing. He knows his footy. He knows how to recruit and who to who to recruit. But I, I have a feeling he's got his experience base. He's got a couple of the younger people coming in in the back row to sort of take over these Felice Cafusis and things like that. And they'll start to target their backs pretty soon, I think. You, you'll start to see them make their move toward... They, they seem to have sorted out their forward pack first. Um, and they're pretty much there. So like you say, they'll probably start to target all the backs in their spine now and see where they go. But some of the players that they've targeted are available. Coming. That's the thing, yeah. So they might go after some of the young guys. Wouldn't surprise me if Bennett does that. I heard they out. had scouts at the football when you were running a line. Again, I told you. Um, first grade touchy. You're available? You're available to... Yeah. A touchy at Redcliffe? Well, what do the, what the touchies do these days Skele- anyway? Skeletor and Ram Man together again. Yeah, they don't do anything. So um, I, I can do that on the side just, of the just, NRL just, just as well. Just on the Zoom, lift your hand up. See if you can lift the flag up like a touchy. What happened? Is it offside? Don't know. Check check the um, video ref. <laughs> I wouldn't say you were exactly keeping up with the game when you were running the line. I was utterly unenthused and cold. Put it this way. <laughs> you, were, you, looked, you looked very I looked uninterested. Yeah, I, I was. Very, very I was uninterested. Um, their body language gave it away, I think. I think the fact that you were looking to flag offside... 50 metres away from the play, not in line with anything, was, was one of our favourite moments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> did you hear the news about Chanel Harris-Tavita? I did. I actually am shocked, but kind of... He took a gap year. Yeah, surprised, but in a way, good on him. So Chanel Harris-Tavita is going to take next year off. He, he, he's a reluctant NRL player by all accounts, and he's going to take a, he's going to take a gap year. Go traveling, do 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 what young kids do, right? Yeah, it was really interesting reading his reasoning. Like very common in terms of you know the way you think, like you say as a youngster. But to actually hear him articulate that and say, you know, I was playing for everyone else, or because I was expected to, which is what a lot of young kids do in their career, right? Wanted to take take off and and was it be a writer and go on a gap year? So um, I think that's good, very brave, because I think the easy thing is to stay and earn big money doing. Playing footy. Good on him. And they'll wait for him. He's worth waiting for. He is. I wonder if Nathan Brown knew that, though. Probably not. They're a complete disaster of a club. So let's move they on are. to the next piece of news. Yes. Matt Lodge was released immediately. Yes. And paid out in the vicinity of $700,000. So they paid him out for the remainder of this year and next. And the rumour has it that he got into an argument with Mark Robinson, the owner of the Warriors, at a pub last year. <laughs> And they haven't spoken to each other since. And Mark Robinson, when interviewed about this, said, I like to take care of my players. Now, Matt Lodge has played some, somewhere in the vicinity of like 13 games for the Warriors. He got paid 700 grand, grand. And if I was the other 29 players in the Warriors' top squad, 
I would also want to release and get the rest of my contract paid out so I could go to another club. What do you have to do? Do you have to wrestle Mark Robinson or do you have to challenge him to an MMA tournament? It's got a little bit of the Luke Keery, Russell Crowe vibes to it. It does. And he's come out and he's given this ridiculous interview where he says, I want to look after my players and all this sort of stuff. He's actually come down into the dressing room a couple of times the last couple of games. I think Nathan Brown's under a bit of pressure. Oh, I, I think he should be. Despite him being good mates with the CEO. Yes. So th- th- that is a club under siege. They're about to go home for the first... I-, I mean, why aren't they home already, by the way? Actually, don't know. Good question. I thought... I know you mentioned that a few weeks ago, and I thought well, they June. were already it's home. It's June, but, but, yeah. but like, there's... Why couldn't the May games have been moved, given the... Don't know. It's a good question. No idea. I think they should have already been home, but... It sounds like, look, if anybody at the Warriors wants a release... Well, I mean, Matt Lodge said he didn't want to move to New Zealand. We knew this was happening. Remember, we spoke about this last year. They were signing Australian-based players because they thought they were going to be here for the medium term. Ewan Aitkins signed with Redcliffe. Um, Matt Lodge doesn't want to go back. Um, These things were going to pop up, right? Yeah, but also start a fight with Mark Robertson and you'll be released at the Correct. So you'll be good to go. Have you ever deliberately started a... A fight with your boss to to get a release and get a contract paid out, G? No, I don't think it works that way. Uh, I don't even though my boss will probably, you know, end up with a black eye, yeah, and say, hey, I look after my players. Okay, only one black eye. It doesn't happen in any other walk of life. Rugby league, God love it. (laughs) All right, let's keep moving. Um, I've wrote this down a couple of weeks ago, but the buy is actually coming up now, given we we didn't get the pot out last week. Um, They were... The Tigers are always going to do a mid-season review with Madge. Yes. That is going yes. to happen in the next couple of weeks. Yep. Um, there is some rumours. There was a headline in yesterday's paper that said he might have coached his last game for the Tigers. And and the rumour is he's the favourite for the Bulldogs job. Uh, well, I hope that rumour is wrong, uh, wrong because I don't, I, I don't think he's the right coach. Well, you have not given any other coach more grief than you've given Madge over the last few years. So it would only be fitting and apt in this world... If Madge ended up at the Bulldogs, should they keep Madge? I feel for Madge. I, I think he's just trying to coach his South style of footy from 10 years ago that won him the comp. I, but I, I don't think it's a coaching issue. I just don't think they have the t- cattle now. There's that now the also, issue, the, but... It's his team, I get that. But I also do feel for him because I think he's kind of, in a way, been... It's partly his team, but in a way, they've also gone, okay, we'll get you all these young guys, and he's bringing through these young guys, so you've got to be patient, right? You can't say, hey, turn over your team, but mainly with a bunch of young kids, and then say you need to win most of your games. Well, I've watched the Tigers this year, and yeah, they're falling behind, but after they've been spirited and they're playing for him, so then what's the issue? They are playing for him. The, The other thing is, by all accounts, they have got an absolute gun juniors coming through at the moment. Like their under 19s, under 18s setup at the moment is absolutely gun. So I think they're trying to set the club up for those group of players to come through. I think there's, I think there's, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, but I do think they're at an important inflection point where they need to decide who the coach is going to be for the next. I five, think six, so. Seven years, but yeah. they've kind of gone with him now, right? Because, and because he had well, a difficult... because you're committing to a certain style of footy with Matt. Yes, I agree, and I think he's quick to hook players that don't fit. I actually think Cameron Sheraldo would be a good. I think he would seriously consider the West Tigers role. And the reason he would seriously consider the West Tigers role is because of that group of youngsters. He is allegedly looking for a group that he can bring through like he did with the Panthers because he's been the Pan- those those players' junior coaches. Well, obviously, it wasn't Trent Barrett. He wants, well, Trent Barrett came from Manly, right? So it wasn't yeah. Trent Barrett. So, so he's trying to bring, bring a, a group like that through. And I think the Tigers might give him an opportunity to do that. It says a lot about the Bulldogs that 
Geraldo won't consider the Bulldogs for that reason. You know, what we've been talking about, the junior nursery there. Yeah, agree. Um, so, you, you know, it's, it's really, really interesting to where, where all these clubs are at at the moment. I do feel for Madge. I don't think he, now he's getting pressure when, like I said, he has turned over the team and he's got a younger side. I mean, last year if they sacked him, I get it, because you had all the Benji Marshall stuff that happened the year before. Like, there was a lot of toxicity around some of the veterans and stuff, regardless of whose fault it was. But now they're playing for him and they're trying hard. It seems like a weird time to get rid of him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and, and who are you going to put in? Unless Geraldo comes in. Like, it's mid-season. Why would you get rid of him now? That's the other bit. I just le- I'd leave him in. I, and I don't think... The last year, I think he's been dealt a pretty rough hand by the club. Unless Tim Sheens comes in and does the last. Well, that's the other thing, right? You don't know what Tim Sheens is doing in the background. Well, so. I keep saying he's too old to do it, but Wayne Bennett's going to go around next year. Well, Wayne Bennett's nearly 100. I mean, he's still going. He's recruiting and coaching. Pretty phenomenal, actually. Good on you, Wayne Bennett. But wow, like 73. Wayne Bennett's the last uh, World War, uh, the Boer War veteran still in the NRL. So, so let's, 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 keep, let's keep moving. It was, of course, Indigenous round. Yes. One of our, that, that was the one thing about missing um, last week's pod. We didn't mean is we love previewing Indigenous round. The but jerseys are getting better. The Bulldogs one. And the Parramatta ones were fantastic. Okay, I'll go. I'm going to go my top four jerseys. Okay, okay. for Indigenous round. Yeah. Um. Well, probably I'll go top five actually because there's a couple that when I watched I thought shit that looks a lot better than it does. All right, you were talking about your top five Indigenous round jerseys. Surprisingly, I'm actually going to say the Bulldogs, which I was shocked. Yeah, oh, it, it was actually very good. it was very it was good. Really it was very good. good jersey. Yep. I actually like, can I just, controversially, I like the Bulldogs jerseys this year. Yeah, I mean, look, I thought the Indigenous jersey is the best one we've had, and it, it looked fantastic. Um, I, I, the Para one is actually better than last year. The design, oh, the colours, I, I thought know. was... Re- no, it was really? really... Different colours, but I thought the Para one was actually really, really good. The Warriors one actually grew on me as I was watching the game. I thought it looked didn't look good, but then it kind of grew on me as I was watching. So it's kind of got some really interesting colour schemes. Like there's a dark blue, the black, the red, and the back of the jersey. Um, I thought the Dragons one looked really good. Just the, the different I've colours. I've got my top five yeah. as well. And I've also got a bottom couple as and well. And the, the last one I would probably say is, I like the Knights one, but the Storm one I liked purely because it just looked so different. It was eye-catching. So that's my top five. Storm, Warriors... Dragons, Bulldogs, Eels. Okay. In no order for me. Okay. Yep. I really like the Bulldogs one. Yep. I really like the Eels one. Yep. I thought the Eels did a really, really good they job. They did. Yep. Yep. I actually really liked the West Tigers one. Yeah, that was another one that I liked. The orange and the black really looked yeah. really good. I yeah. really liked the West Tigers one. I thought that was a, they did a really, really good job. Now, my bottom bottom few. I know we, I know which one. Do you? Do you? Yes. Warriors. One, Oh. <laughs> uh, I can't tell the difference between there. <laughs> Gra- granted, granted, he looked very similar to their normal jersey. It, they didn't. I wouldn't say they made an amazing effort. No, no. As I was watching the Broncos game on the weekend, Mrs. T and the Titans game, and I was losing my mind in the second half because I tipped the Titans. Mm-hmm. Mrs. T commented on uh, how unattractive the Broncos jersey was. I agree. I saw that and thought, mm, I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. And is the last one have anything to do with Four Pines Park by any chance? It might have something to do with Four Pines Park. <laughs> now, did they make any effort at all? I know we're joking, but I mean, it looked like the normal Manly jersey, pretty much. 
Well, it didn't quite look like a normal. The, the top half looked like a normal Man- Manly did. jersey, and then and then it's like someone thought, "Oh shit, it's Indigenous round. Let's change the bottom half." I didn't like the Storm one either. I know you liked it. I didn't like the Storm one. I think the Storm one wasn't something I go, "Wow, that looks amazing." I think it was eye catching. But but can I just say the promos they did for Indigenous round? Not the NRL actually do the Indigenous round better than the AFL. Much better. Much better. Really good job. We hammer them every week, but they. Credit where it's due, they're doing a great job with Indigenous Round. It gets better every year, I think, and the only one improvement I would make is to actually probably make it a fortnight because it comes up so fast. Well, it's Indigenous Awareness Month, and and the way the NRL do this stuff, they don't talk about it till the Wednesday before the games, and the games are on Thursday. And it's exactly. Not time. There's not enough time to really promote it. It's like you go, unless you know that it's Indigenous Round already, it well, sneaks I mean, up unless you host the nowhere. podcast and you're following the footy closely and like it's, it's, it just pops up, right? Yeah, it pops up and there's not enough time to really sort of do anything around it. So I would like to see them extend it for a two-week period so they can build up some awareness and do that with some of their, their weeks. I think that's where they can improve a little bit. But in terms of actual Indigenous around the activities and everything else, they're doing a great job. Well, we always knew this new segment was going to be big, yeah? Because yes. Because we're covering a fortnight. So well, should, we a do, should we do um, Payne Haas? Yeah, I mean, a big story, huge story. He asked for a release, immediate release. Yeah. It's been portrayed as all it is is money. He hasn't fought um, Mark Robinson, the Warriors owner, has he? No, he hasn't okay. fought Mark Warriors. And, and Ben Eichen and all his mates at Fox Studios are coming out on the Broncos side, which is obvious. Yes. Um, but I actually don't think it's a money issue. I think the way this has been reported is a disgrace because almost as disgraceful as what's going on at the Titans. Because yes. he's not actually asking for more money than what, I saw the, that. Yeah. The, what, than what the Broncos have already put on the table. Okay, he's happy with the money he's getting from the Broncos. His bigger issues are his previous agent. There are rumours that the agent signed him up to something that he wasn't fully aware of. Yep, that does happen sometimes with agents, yep. He wants a competitive side. He doesn't want his best years to be burnt. And this comes back to the 71 minutes played every game, the battering ram he's used to keep the Broncos in the game. So he wants a winning side. So he wants clauses in his contract where he can leave. Yes, I saw if that. Team, yeah, if the team's not successful. Very unusual. Very unusual. But but what, um, if you're a club, why wouldn't you agree to that? Shouldn't your ambition be to do that? I agree. I think his clauses, they maybe not, don't think that they're, um, maybe they don't think they're achievable because they're quite That's correct, urgent. correct, correct. Top six, top five, two, top four. So it is unusual and they're worried about losing him if they don't meet it. But then maybe they come back and say, look, you know, for each year we don't make the top six, you can go and not necessarily, you know, you know, progress from a top six to top five to top four. Because you don't want to lose your best player because you lost one game in the season, you came fifth. But, but you can't, it's so hard to win the, the title outside of the top four. It is, but, you know, wouldn't you agree to a top six at least? Like, we'll come back and renegotiate maybe a top seven? Because a top six is where you, the good sides are at. That's what you should be aiming for. And isn't he entitled to try and get as much money as he can? I mean, these clubs, acts, other than Mark Robinson, everyone else, all the other clubs, like, like release players all the time. Like, it's just... it's. I, I, and, and then the Broncos booed him on the weekend. I just think it's been appalling how the media... And the fans have treated a 22-year-old kid trying to look out for himself. If most of those fans and most of the... I'll tell you what, if the Herald offered Paul Kent a million bucks more than what he's on now to go right for them, he'd seriously consider it. Of course he would. I, I don't have an issue with that at all. And I, I mean, also it's just, think... Just, just ridiculous. I mean, we always come down so hard on these players. But these clubs, it's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's both the clubs and the players that do this. And I just think 
This thing's been blown out of proportion. Now, it looks like he's recommitted there to his existing contract. Okay. So he's got two more years to go. Current money. He's not signing the new contract. Oh, he's going. Th- he's gone. Of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. He's just going to wait it out. No no chance now. And they're probably playing well enough for him to go, you know what, the next year or two will probably make the semis. So, But after that, he's done. After all this stuff, he's not going back there ever. No, I don't think they've treated him particularly well. And they and, and it's a bit tone deaf what Ben Eichert and the Broncos have been saying behind the scenes, allegedly, which is that they can't see where the problem is. Okay. If you can't see where the problem is, then you're not looking hard enough. Because they're just seeing improvement, and they have improved significantly. So uh, it's an interesting one, but they've basically lost him in two years' time. Yeah, and, and I think it times really well with Jared Warrior Hargraves' contract. And, and so, yeah, of so course. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't think those rumours are going to go away. No, I don't think so. All right, State of Origin teams were named. Yes. Now, I'm going to start with New South Wales, and then I'll give you my view, and then I'll throw it over to you, G. Yes. Um, Stephen Crichton, Jack Whiten, and um, Tony Staggs with the three centres chosen in the squad. A lot of rumours about, jo- oh, why was Joseph Suwali selected, all that sort of stuff. But he didn't make the 18. It's what Freddie and Brandy do. They bring these youngsters in. It was Campbell Graham last year. It was, you know, they've always had these players in and around the squad. They don't actually play, but it gives them a taste of origin for the future when they do get picked. Now, Katoni Staggs got picked at right centre. I think defensively, uh, he's probably one of the better right centres in the comp, so I agree with that. Stephen Crichton's too green to play, and Stephen Crichton's specialist right centre as well. Yep. As soon as you work out in rugby league that the numbers 1 to 13 actually don't matter and it's split left, middle, right, all of this becomes a lot easier. Now, Jack Whiten is a left-sided 5'8", so he's obviously picked him at left centre. I don't yes. think Jack Whiten's form warrants him getting No, I agree. Okay. Tarek Sims's form doesn't, no. warrant, doesn't, doesn't warrant him getting picked there. Having said that, Tarek Sims played really, really well in Origin last year. After we criticised the selection. So, Damien Cook, I think, has actually been playing well for the Bunnies. But um, it's good to see Appy Coruscant because I think he brings something different. I think the more Freddie can stick to the way the Panthers play. They've got seven players in the squad. Liam Martin's there. Isaiah Yeo's been the form lock in the comp. Um, it's good to have Cam Murray back. They've got Payne Haas and Junior Paulo up front, which is superb. So I think they're okay in the forwards. I actually think Teddy has been very inconsistent this year. When I look at the back line of the Queenslanders, I think they've got more strike than New South Wales. Gee, Queensland wasn't down for long. And and the question for Queensland is going to be through the forwards. And they've picked quite a form pack, right? We we said weeks ago Ruben Cotter would play Origin, and he has been picked. He's been picked at lock, so they're going to play him through the middle. On paper, when I look at that Queensland side, Caelan Ponga, you've got Val Holmes and Dane Gagai in the centres, Selwyn Cobbo and Xavier Coates on the wing, and you've got Munster, who might be the form player in the comp, and DCE, whose kicking game has been superb this year. I look at that back line and I go, actually, their back line's better than ours. Um, I would a- say And so. as a result, I actually think I actually think Queensland might win this series. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think Tedesco's come back into form the last couple of weeks. This is why I actually hate people that say, oh, you know, this person played X amount of Origin games, that means they're better than this player. Because in no way in the world should Jack White or Tarek Sims be anywhere near this team. For on form wise, and neither should Ryan Madison for that that matter, and neither should Tyson Frizzell. I mean, you know, it, yeah, Tyson Frizzell shouldn't be there. Um, Ryan Mad- Ryan Madison has been playing well for the. He for has, the but he's that. played like two or three good games, and there's yeah, probably I agree a few players who's jumped the queue on. Um, Nico Look, Hines. Who would you Suwali. have had instead of? Who would you have had instead oh, of Ryan? God, I had my had my list. Um, I mean, this is the other thing. Without doing the pod last week, we didn't pick our Origin teams. 
I think the team's pretty good, but just only a couple of questionable signings, really. I, and like, Addo Kami out, but if I look at Daniel... T- like, I think Brian Toto, yeah, he's only come back and he's playing well anyway. I would think Daniel Tupo has actually been fantastic. And the player who probably should have been Daniel there, Tupo's been fantastic This year he's been excellent. He, I think so. You don't think so? No, no. I think he's picked him because he's a yardage man and he's good under the high ball and the, and the Queensland wingers are... Very tall. Probably match up against, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, very correct, true. Correct. That's, so that's, that's, that's the reason up. he's picked him. Yeah, that's. The, um, I don't think. I think Josh Adokar's actually done really well. I think Josh Adokar's played well. Yes, defensively he's, he's been poor. Yeah, I think his trust in his inside players have disappeared. Yeah, yeah, he's um, in the wrong position, right? Like, like, like Adam Reynolds called that out after it was a very telling comment that he's not trusting his inside. He's guys. not he's at all. In a bit more, so so teams are going around him a bit. Absolutely. Which, if um, you're if you're Brandy and Freddie looking at that, you go. Well, you know, yeah, he needs he needs he needs to re, 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 regain some of his confidence. I think he's actually played pretty well. He's been pretty much our best player. You don't pick Origin teams around attack, though. I I agree, but he's been one of their key game breakers. You're running last. last. Yeah, no, I mean for the Origin team, right? So he's been one oh, of their I get key it, I get game it. breakers. It's a tough, tough, tough. So it's a tough um, call to let him miss tough out. Call. Yeah. Um, but Jack Whiten. I mean, I know Crichton's green, but. I mean, Jack Whiten's playing. This is what I mean. Well, he's I, wouldn't have four picked, I wouldn't have picked Jack Whiten last year either. Yeah, like, I, I know. He's so he's played five or six origins that really he shouldn't have been in the team at all based on form. So, But the rest of the team, I mean, you can argue probably Cook and Coruscant, I'd say, and Tarek Sims. And, but the rest of the team, I think Campbell Gillard's actually been pretty good and he's mobile he and has been, quick. He has been. Uh, Martin did a great job last year. He does a great job for the Panthers. He stepped up now because, you know, um, they lost Capewell. Crichton's been fantastic, and you know Madison is a good player. There's only a couple of I think contentious selections there, and Queensland they don't really have anybody left if you really think about it. Um, Gagai has been very hot and cold after a fast start, and Papali is probably there I would say on reputation. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think the Raiders have been playing well. Yeah, no. But, but um, this is my this is my view. If Queensland can hold their own in the forwards. I think they might. Yeah, I think their back yeah, line looks pretty good. I think they've got good. the strike in the backs. Yeah. to 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 challenge the New South. They got Wales tall team. and fast. Val Holmes is back to his best this year. Val um, Holmes has played really well this year. You know what the weird thing is? If I if you take his purely on form and not name, and this might be recency bias, but I swear I would put Jaden Campbell at fullback instead of Callum Ponga, form wise. You mean the Titans that can't make a tackle? Well, Jaden Campbell seems to be doing twenty tackles again. <laughs> tackles a game because the rest of them can't. No Titan should be rewarded for what's going on there. The last uh, but yeah, so look, I think the teams, the Queensland. So I disagree with that. That that is a toxic, toxic. I mean, we can go to it in the game if you like. But what that that what what happened that second half against the Broncos was a was an absolute disgrace. I actually think it's time to change the coach there. The Maroons have been picked on on form pretty much, and I mean most of the Blues are playing well too. So. You know, I but don't you think wonder the Blues if... are playing that well. I think the Panthers players are playing well. You always run a bit of a risk carrying players that aren't playing well week to week because they can no, have I a agree. stinker. So, you know, Queensland before happens. used to always pick play nearly their whole team on form, and they've done that. And Billy Slater, good on him, um, picking Nanai and some of these and other he's, players. He's also doing a lot of the mindfulness stuff and all that stuff that Freddie brought into the Origin team as well. So it's good that they're modernising Origin a little bit. As a as a rookie, I think someone like Taylor May would be pretty gutted to miss out. I think he's been unbelievable. This he year. has been, but there's no way he was going to get picked for Origin. No, no way. But 
form-wise, I mean, you can argue he's almost been the best wing in the comp. He's been incredible. Yeah, yeah. But I, there's no way he was going to get picked over Daniel Tupu. All right. So, but looking forward to a, ga- a good a game. There's quite a few attacking players out there, so hopefully um, we get a, a fast, sort of open, speedy game. Well, I'll be overseas, so you'll be watching that on your own. I've given uh, my tickets to Origin to our mate Matty. Um, all right, last bit of news, and I'm going to loop, loop them together, the Bulldogs news. Phil Gould stands to earn $1.6 million if the Bulldogs win a premiership. God, now that's an incentive. It's an incentive? He's also on wow. eight hundred grand a year. Yes, he is, apparently. That is a lot of money from your football department in one man to deliver the promised land. It is a lot of money. And they're in such good condition, the Bulldogs, that they are getting a $7 million grant from the Canterbury Leagues Club notwithstanding all the player payments that are running through Dynasty Restaurant. Correct, yes. This might be the most successful leagues club in the history of mankind. It is. It's, um, you, yeah, the structure's set up that way. Um, but I didn't realise the structure would be paying for Phil Gould's retirement. <laughs> <laughs> How could it turn that they go, he really wanted to come here? Well, if you get like an eight-year contract at a million dollars a year with bonuses of 1.5 million if you win the comp, I think I'd do that job too. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't say no, could he? No. Now, in, no, I mean, but, but geez, you'd, you'd want him to succeed on the, on the deal they've got him on. Well, he's incentivized to win the comp, that's for sure. And, you know, he's also got the... Um, Oh, he's got eight years to do it. Yeah, he's also got the will to um, go down and coach whenever he feels like it, give pep talks whenever. So well, at the end of his eight-year contract, he'll gig. be 71 or something, yeah. What a gig, yeah. So so the Bulldogs also... And talk about the club on your podcast as well and give totally I'm getting to the podcast. I'm getting to the podcast. <laughs> a podcast. The Bulldogs yes. only have eight players signed for 2024. Apparently that we're in great position because we have five players and our salary caps looking fantastic that's six that was, million salary cap room six that, million salary yeah, cap room. that was phil gould's comments and i thought what about the other 30 players you need to sign to get a score well, out there that but it does mean that from first november this year you can start targeting players um and it looks like you're targeting another one targeting Payne haas and cam munster now yep. my advice to Payne haas and cam munster is don't do it i wouldn't but what does it make well, Munster, you... Munster, Munster I get. Munster I get as a signing. Um, I do, but then what does that mean for Matt Burden? Well, Matt Burden's not a 5'8", buddy. I don't know if this is... I don't, I, don't know if this is I don't know if this has dawned on you yet. No, no, but we spoke about that late last year and yeah. early this year. I think he's more a runner that can play, playmate, and but not a playmaker. Good. Yeah. Um, whereas they're using him as a key playmaker, although that has changed recently. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. Well, it's Josh Jackson's the key playmaker at the well, moment. He's, yeah, he still is heavily involved. And the last piece of news, Shane Flanagan came out on a podcast and said, what's going on at the Bulldogs over the last 18 months hasn't helped Kyle. And there were rumours earlier on this season that they were that Saints, where Shane's working, was offered a Kyle, Fla- Kyle Flanagan, Jaden Sullivan swap, which yes. Shane denied, which is a strong denial given he is the recruitment head at the Dragons. So the Jaden Sullivan... Kyle Flanagan think it happened. Yeah, I was like, I read that and I thought, hang on, if you're the recruitment manager, how do you not know about this? Ruled him out of. Yeah, well, that's right, and it looks like it's it's all. I mean, it's all just a bit of a schmozzle the way Shane's handled this. Uh, He's public going after the um, Bulldogs job. I read some of those comments, and to be honest, I don't. I'm impressed you followed the news this fortnight. I don't understand why it rules him out because he didn't say anything controversial at all. And basically what he said is what, hap- is what happened without actually having a go at anyone in particular and probably what they say during the week. But 
for some reason, it seems to be have been controversial. His son hasn't been handled well at all. You know, you pick a kid and then you destroy his confidence. Whether he can play or not isn't the point. You destroy his confidence and then don't even let him train with the team during the... The way they've treated him has been terrible if he's meant to be your marquee halfback. Well, if it's not him, who is it? That's what I mean. They don't have another halfback, but it's not like he has to be guaranteed a position, but you don't chop and change him and tell him you're in, then you're out and fuck around with his confidence and destroy the kid either. That's not the way to do it either. That's true. I agree with that. But that's the whole dad-son dynamic. Like, that's not a good one, especially if the player isn't a Nathan Cleary. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, Jaden Sullivan, he looks like he's pretty good, although the Saints have bulked him up to play hooker, but if you look at it face-to-face, he probably looks like he's got more potential than Kyle Flanagan, yet Flanagan's trying to recruit his son over to the Dragons. That's it for the news. Was there anything else that caught your eye, G? No, not this week. No. Okay, shall we move on to the, the games? We've got, we've got to cover round 11 and round 12. Let's start with round 11. First up on the Thursday night was the Knights versus the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos got up 36-12 to 12 in a six tries to two performance. Certainly in the first half, I thought uh, the, the Knights tried in this game. It was at six all at halftime, and they were in the game. Um, yes, yeah. It was, a, it was a bit of a dicey game in the first half, to be honest with you. Adam Reynolds was ruled out, and even without Adam Reynolds. The most interesting thing for me in this game was the second half by the Broncos, and that was... Remember when they changed fitness coaches under Kevin yes. the way through last season? Yes. It's really making a difference. They are Absolutely. coming over the top of teams, right? They have yes. got tries in them in the last 15 minutes. And they scored like 22 points in the last 15 minutes in this game, right? They got four tries from the 67th minute to the to the 80th. So 22 points, which, which I mean, you know, is fitness a problem for the Knights? There's, there's, it's really dicey what's going on at the Knights. I don't know if it's fitness with the Knights. I just think they... I think, like we said, they they had a clear identity at the beginning of the year, and I think they've really struggled to fit Ponga back into that because it's it's impacted all the other players around them, like the Kurt Man, well Kurt Man's been out, but you know the the Jake Clifford's and the way they're playing now, they're fitting in Milford again. So I don't think they've quite got all their combos right, and they couldn't score points. But then there were a few games where they just sort of gave up defensively. And now there's a few other games now where they're hanging in. They're doing a solid job. I think they're struggling a bit. But, you know, with the Broncos, so they're having performances where they're playing well with the Broncos. But the Broncos are now got that team that's athletic, agile, and really quick. And they can actually play for the full 80 minutes. They're not getting tired. Those gaps in the middle aren't appearing as much. So they're, like you say, finishing really strongly. And they're very, they're, they're tough to beat. And Reynolds has, you know, integrated really well there now. So Yeah, particularly when he didn't play. Not in that game, but you know what I mean. Like, they've kind of got yeah. their style of play set. So good on them. I mean, a good win. They're looking very good. And they got the bye this week, which will cover off the four games. All right, the Friday night games. First up, it was the Tigers versus the Bulldogs. I didn't watch this game. Um, the Tigers led 18-0 at halftime. <laughs> yes, they did. To four. The game was basically over at halftime, right? I watched the mini-match of this one. You, I, I agree with you, though. You looked much better in the second half. You threw the ball around a bit. You got four tries in that second half. Yeah, we came back to, to be in the lead and then ran out of puff through the middle again. Yeah, well, I think there's a fitness issue, right? You're the Dan, Dan Ferris, Dan Ferris, the conditioning coach. Uh, that, that, that could be where the problem lies, actually, with the Bulldogs. A friend of mine went to go on the hill at Leichhardt, and the general admission ticket at Leichhardt Oval was $40. So NRL, you want to get people out to the game, 40 bucks a ticket to stand in the cold. they got 15,000 people there. There was a lot, but that's a lot 
that's a lot to pay for a for a yeah, G8 ticket. I mean, to I mean it's a Hill. good solid. Cre- I mean, the suburban grounds, and we'll get to the Bulldogs game this week in round twelve. I mean, the suburban grounds are really working for the NRL. They're getting decent decent turnout, right? Good win by the Tigers. I thought they played some enterprising footy at the start of the the, the game. The I defense the Bulldogs... wasn't a strength of either of these teams in this game. There was no defense. This was the perfect G game. Perfect G. 11, <laughs> 11, 11 tries scored. Yep. No one playing any defense. No. The no Bulldogs tackling. were the Bulldogs were not in it. It was eighteen nil at halftime, and it looked like they they just honestly not turn up. Um, Potter must have honestly ripped into them at halftime because after halftime they came out a different side. I don't think nope. he did. I think he's no. I think he's been quite. Uh, uh, he, he came out with an interesting quote during this week actually, where he said, "I haven't thrown my hat into the ring." And it's liberating me because I'm not going for the job and I can just be myself and do what I want to do. I think that's a very telling comment, actually. But with Birch, with the second half, they started off on fire. They were playing some good football. And they fought their way back into the game, basically, to tie it up. But then as the half went on, they started to slowly run out of puff. And I thought the Tigers finished on top of them with some soft tries through the middle. Um, with Farmunu Brown a couple of times. who used to play for us, actually. And I think the Tigers were the better team overall. But the Bulldogs showed... Probably their best 20 minutes of attacking footy up until that point of the season in that second half. So, um, good win to the Tigers. Big crowd. Once um, Shoup went to the Symbian, the Tigers took advantage. And I think the Bulldogs fell away. And deserved win for the Tigers. And this is the whole thing with Madge. They come up for a win and now it's like his job's on the line the week after. Well, they've won three out of 12. Their KPI for mid-season was five. I know. Yeah, so so that was the challenge for them. But look, it's a tough decision. I I don't know. And Lee Hadjipentel is constantly being in the press. I mean, no chairman is in the press as much as this dude. He should have went for, yeah, well, except for Phil Gould, but yeah, but he's not the chairman. Well, he's not not the chairman. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So yeah, good win for the Tigers. Well deserved. All right, match of the round was up next, the second game on Friday night, the Channel 9 game, and this was a 22-20 win to the Eels. Fantastic game of footy, this one. Manly were the better side, um, I thought, but uh, the Eels were lucky to get... Not lucky, but a Mitchell Moses conversion. Finally, he got a game winner at the end of the game. Um, Manly were the better side in the in the first half um, and went into lead, went into halftime with the 12-10 lead. Para managed to hold on. Um and Mitch Moses got Sinbin just before halftime for a holdback when there was a clean break made through. And then the second half, they actually made them pay, scoring two tries and skipping out to a lead there. They didn't convert them, though, which proved costly in the end. Yeah, surprisingly, um, Garrick's yeah, such a good goal Garrick's kicker. a good kicker, yeah. So they were up 20-10. to 10, And a bit like Magic Crown, like the Eels, the second half comeback, they're just slow starters. And in the second half, they came back. And Sean Kepi got binned in the 72nd minute. And then we got the, that controversial penalty down the left edge with the sin binning there. And, 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 and that gave us one last set. And Will Penasini ended up crossing and Mitch Moses kicked the, the uh, conversion with a minute to go to ice the game for us. But um, this was a fantastic game of footy played in front of 18,000, nearly 19,000 fans at at. at Bank West, um, oh, what's it called now? Combank Stadium. So same, same. Combank owns Bank West. But so, but whatever. this was a fantastic game of footy. I thought this was this was semi-final quality. I thought it was a really good game to watch as a neutral. Um, it, it was a good back and forth game. I thought the Sea Eagles played really well as well in, in the game, and I thought I thought they were the better side. I, I just thought the Eagles' defense sort of at least kept them in close um, to the Sea Eagles or close enough to ha- take advantage of it right at the end of the game. But I think it's one you stole from the Sea Eagles. Yeah, I agree. One. I like, agree with that. I agree with that. This, let, me, let me give you a stat. Let me give you a stat. The Sea Eagles' average set distance was 51 metres, and yeah. the Eels was 39. 
So that they actually won the they won the the forward battle, and then the average player's ball speed was four seconds for the Eels and three point three seconds, which is an enormous difference. So that is a big let, difference. Let them, let them lie all over the ball, but what we had was we created a lot of second phase play, I think, and uh, and we did most of that in the second half when we were behind. Yes, and I think that got you over the 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 line at the end because the Seagulls really should have been ahead by a little bit more and in a way some of their I wouldn't say poor goal kicking but just a few of those chances Ruben Garrick missed which usually doesn't sort of cost them the game at the end uh, but you you snuck snuck away with one against the Seagulls in that match so but good win the Eels just need to keep on touching distance with that top four all right let's move on to the Saturday games then yeah um, and what we've got first up is the Dragons beat the Warriors uh, 24-18. Um, the Dragons could only get 7-odd thousand people to Cogra. Not a yeah, good sign. no. It's not a good sign. Um, the Warriors led this 14-12 at halftime. And again, whatever it is that, that Nathan Brown is doing there, they just can't seem to score more than 18 points. The Warriors. They, <laughs> it's like 20. 18, it's 20. Like it, yeah, all their games, they just, like they're, they're one try short, one converted try short of winning a lot of games. And it's the same again here, right? They were they they were up 14-12 at halftime, but they scored three tries to two in the first half. Um, and then they got the first try after the break. So yes, they went up to, yep. yeah, yeah, so they were up 18-12 when, um, Vileo, uh, when Dallin Wateni Zalesniak who has great flowing locks now. Oh, opinion. they're great. Fantastic. They're great. A, bit of a, a bit of a curl as well. Bit of a curl as well. They were the curls get the girls. Yes. Um, so so fantastic. But then they just couldn't hold on, right? And and I think I just wonder is that is it that point that you say where they're just trying to? It's like Jose Mourinho. They get one nil in front and they're trying to. I think they try to kill the game. They just can't get beyond eighteen or twenty points. No. They, to win these games, they need to get to twenty four points. They're really close, but they just need a little bit more in terms of attack. They just need one more try. And, and then they will win some of these games, right? It'll be just a bit too far for the teams to catch them. From the Dragons' side, Dragons played better in the second half, I thought. Um, yeah. I thought Zach Lomax was very, very good for them in this game. He, he back to form. Particularly his goal kicking is looking really, really good at the moment. Back to his razor best with his goal kicking. He's a really good goal kicker. He's another one like Gary. Reese Walsh had an off day with the boot. I thought the Warriors should have won this game. I think they're, they're gritty and they're determined. They obviously try for Nathan Brown, but I think that attack isn't... They never, ever take advantage of their attack and they usually start to play better when they're behind a lot of the time because they, they start to let go. And I think they do, when they get ahead, I think they try to settle things down, grind it out, go ahead. And it didn't quite work. I think it kept the Dragons closer than they should have been. Um, Reese Walsh having an off day with the boot didn't help. Because it could have been 18 till a 4 or whatever it was against the Dragons, or 18-6. Um, and eventually the Dragons just wore them down and hit the lead, you know, with 30 minutes to go. And there wasn't really much happening after that. I think the Warriors couldn't really get through the Dragons' defence. I think they struggled after that. And I think the Dragons' defence was more than... Um, did its job. I thought Cody Ramsey, I, I, I did have a go at him the week before, added more spark to their attack and sort of gave them some thrust and the Dragons did enough to, to win the game. Let's move on to the next game. Both We both picked this result and that was the Cowboys at Country Bank Stadium up in Townsville. They just looked like they were primed for this one and the Storm were missing Flying Ryan and Jerome Hughes um, and they, they actually got up 36-6 and there was actually only one team in this, right? It was six tries to one um, 
Twelve. It was only twelve six at half time, but my god, I thought I thought they killed them actually, and I thought Val Holmes had an amazing game. Yeah. Um, and just just I don't know what to say. They're the real deal, the Cowboys. It looks I like. I think so. They're one of the best of the rest. There, there's a group of best of the rest at the moment. It's starting to group up. So. I think they, you know, you could, I don't know, for some reason, I thought the, the Storm were really rusty the week before against Penrith. The things and combos weren't quite working because, like I say, missing Jerome Hughes and flying right, probably more Jerome Hughes, just in terms of just setting up their structure right. And the Cowboys have been playing com- with confidence and a lot of mobility and a lot of um, um, good attacking football through the middle. Um, but like you, I thought at half time the Storm did really well to hold them out. I thought, I thought the Cowboys were on top just about the whole game. And then in the second half, they just broke away and then took over. And Jeremiah Nanai just keeps on scoring. Like, can't get over how many tries he scored this year. So, good win. And you know what? 36-6 against the Storm at any at any time is a fantastic win. All right, let's move on to the another, which was meant to be a great game. That was the Roosters versus the Panthers. Ah, okay, yes. Yeah, the Panthers got up 32-12. to It was 18-0 at halftime. Again... Just a class above the Panthers. They just keep on keeping on, right? Five tries to two. Um, and one of those tries came right at the death for the Roosters yes. with Mom- Momorowski. Um, they were, their their defence is defense. what impresses me the most about about the Panthers. I mean, they just... Did the Roosters even look like scoring till the end of this game? They strangle you, right? And then now they've actually got a kill sw- on off switch where they kind of... They, they do switch it off and their intensity drops slightly because they're just so dominant. But this was such a one-sided game. I thought, you know, I was interested to see how the Roosters would go, but they were just dominated from start to finish, basically. Their the defense, the speed of their play, that left-sided attack with the Panthers is starting to hum again with clearing Luai back to their combinations. Just, honestly, they killed them. And it could have been, if they didn't switch off, it could have been way more than that. Um, so just too, too, way too good. It's kind of scary dominant. In this can, game. I, can I also say to you, Dylan Edwards is playing out of he his is. bloody skin. I think this is his best season he's had. He's been fantastic in every game. I did. I did call it. Let's let's just say that I thought he was very important to the Panthers, and I think it's proving to be the case. Yeah. I will accept your apology next on next week's show. G. All right. Souths versus the Raiders on Sunday was at Dubbo. This was yeah. the only game I tipped wrong on the on that this weekend. I tipped. I, I was umming and ahhing about this. I I thought Souths were playing better going into this, but I thought the Dubbo thing might make it favourable to the Raiders. Um, I should have gone with my gut instinct because uh, this game was over. It was 20-0 at half time. Even the Raiders couldn't get run down from that, that position. Second half was 12-all, so they still did get run down, but it was but it was, um, it was was a comfortable sec- more comfortable second half for the Raiders, I thought, particularly when they got the first try in the second half to extend their lead to uh, for 24-0. So um, the... the, the Rabbitohs were diabolical in this game. They were diabolical. They did not show up at all. But Ricky has seemed to have got the Raiders back on track now a little bit more. Um, but this Souths team, it's really, really hit and miss. This was a very one-sided game as well. Watching this, I just, you know, the Raiders just dominated the game. And to be up at 20 nil at halftime, it, it, it never looked like Souths were ever going to come back. Um, you know, so... I, yeah, I don't know. Something's happened with the Raiders. It's the same kind of team. It hasn't really added that many more players. But they just seem... Maybe they've got a little bit more confidence in the way they're playing. I don't know. But Ricky seems to have made a few tweaks with that team. Or maybe White Schneider's settling in a little bit more. Or, you know, Nickel Klockstadt is sort of finding his feet after being out for so long as well. They looked pretty 
I wouldn't say impressive, but they looked far too good, and they put you know they put put the dragons the rabbitos away, and it was a good win by a pretty dominant win by the Raiders, and they've looked a lot better the last few weeks, a lot better. They have indeed. Yeah, South's very hot and cold. Last game of round eleven was the Titans versus the Sharks. This was a yes. willing game. Yes. Um, now, in terms of this one, the Sharks got up twenty-five to eighteen. It was four tries to three. The Sharks had this comfortably in the in the bag, basically, for lack of a better term. They were leading twenty-four to six with ten minutes to go. Uh, but then the Titans came back, right? Yeah, of they course came they back did. And they got, yeah, they got yes. they got. A, they, Jared Wallace got a double in this game, and his second one uh, got them back into it. And Isan Masters scored his second as well before his second half brain explosion the following week, which we'll get to. And they got it back to 24-18, and they looked like they were a show before Nico Hines potted a field goal and then got sin-binned. So it was quite a, it was only it was only six all at half time. Yeah, but um, just just that ten minutes in the second half basically killed the game. They you know the first fifteen minutes of the second half, the Sharks ran in three tries, and that was the difference really between the two teams. Again, I think the Titans maybe they focused on the defense in the first half, and they you know they kept they, they kept in the game. It was six all at half time. But then once the, the Sharks broke away... And... I, I don't think it's technical for the Titans. I think it's a headspace. I think I think the coaches have not been able to fix their mentality. And I think it's time for a new coach. It's 18 months of the same thing happening over and over and over again. Agree. And I think, um, you know, and the Sharks just, they couldn't run them. And then to almost run them down... At Mal Meninga's the high-performance coach there. That whole club needs a review. This is not working. This is not, not, not working. They've got too much talent to be losing this way. Agree. Um, and look, but the thing that came out of me is I remember we did talk for this game anyway for me was watching Lockie Miller play quite, you know, really good to watch. Good, good debut. Good debut. Yeah, it was fantastic. Got a try. He was he was excitable. He played rugby sevens at the Olympics for the Wallabies. Just great, great. He looked like he was a bit of a bit of a pocket rocket, right? Yes, I liked it. I liked it. It was good watching him and play. And the way so, he but... ran, it looked like rugby running. <laughs> he Do you was, know what I mean? Like yeah. sevens rugby running? Yeah. yeah. I know you haven't watched rugby in 30 years, but yeah. I remember Sevens Rugby, David Campisi. Uh, yeah, so um, good win for the Sharks. One that they, you know, you want to stay in contention to the top four or top five, that you've got to beat the Titans. Let's move on to round 12 and do this as quickly as we yep. possibly bloody can. Yep. Um, first up is the Storm versus the Sea Eagles. Yeah. Uh, the Storm got up 28 to 8, uh, and there was no. I mean, the Cam. It was a Cam Munster masterclass, wasn't it? Yes, I mean, pretty he, much. He was, he was absolutely superb. It was twelve four at half time, and it actually could have been more. They dominated this game to beginning to end, from my perspective. Five tries to two. It was played in front of ten thousand people, um, in in Indigenous round. But I, but I thought Cam Munster was superb, and I thought it's probably one of Nick Meaney's best games as well. By the way, he settled into fullback a little bit better this week, um, and I thought Munster just added the touches of. Of brilliance that they needed just a couple of dummies setting up a couple of easy tries for his support and I just thought you know they were never in it the Sea Eagles they were just like you say I think it was pretty much could have been a lot more it was 28-8 and I guess for me it's very much a um getting Jerome Hughes back really helped them as well their combos I told you halfbacks are important go figure yeah. 
mate, it settled them down, and they were just too good. The storm. It wasn't. It was no contest for me at all. No, it wasn't. I didn't think so either. I didn't think. I, I thought. I didn't think the next game was a contest. Contest either. The Panthers versus the Cowboys on the fr- early kickoff on the Friday night at Blue Bet Stadium. And it's defensively too. The Seagulls did have possession. They tried to force their way into the game, but the Storm defense just held too tight. Okay, the Panthers. Panthers are Panthers. As I mentioned, they got up twenty-two nil against the Cowboys as well. That was the the early kickoff on the Friday night. Um, the Cowboys weren't in this either. They, as well as the Cowboys are playing, it, the Panthers are on their own now, even yes, ahead of the storm. I think so, yes. It, it is going to take a Mack truck to stop this Panthers team. Injuries, origin. They've got seven players that are going to have the origin hangover. That's the only thing I can see stopping them because the Cowboys were playing well going into this. Uh, I know they had to travel to Sydney and they don't usually play well when yep. they travel to Sydney, but... But I just thought the Panthers were dominant in this. To be honest, T, I thought the Cowboys actually played pretty well. But like you <laughs> say, honestly, yeah, <laughs> this is the thing, right? Like all the stuff they've been trying that where Dearden's running at the line and running around plays just didn't work because they were dominated by the Panthers. Just they just the came defense. out. defense. Everyone focuses on the attack. The defense is unbelievable. So the Cowboys didn't know what to do because what was working all of a sudden wasn't. Defensively too fast. And when they moved the ball, the Cowboys again didn't defend too bad and too much variety and too quick and they were just too good too too good it was actually this game actually was very telling just a different level the only thing that can save the rest of the comp is origin and injuries yeah pretty much well that's what i'm saying yeah so the fatigue and and all the rest of it so let's move on to the game of the round which was the broncos versus titans i was the one of the only one of only two people to tip the titans in our tipping comp and geez that looked like a good tip early on didn't it oh it did it did and they were killing them they were absolutely killing them and then they had a brain explosion. Jermaine Asako, Tino Fasua Malawi, you know, with the short kickoff. And in, in just in the second half, in the space of 10 minutes between the 52nd minute and, well, the 58th minute, they just conceded three tries, bang, bang, bang. And there was only ever going to be one winner in this game. They conceded something like 30-odd points in, 28, in the last 28 minutes. I mean, it was just mentally... This was really tough. And they were down to 11 at one point, and I think that had a big bearing on the game, given the sin binnings and, and, all, and all the rest of it. And I, but, but I think they actually they, they actually only... They, they won that 10-minute period, right? Yeah, so they looked just, worse when they had 13 yeah, they plays looked, and they did they with they 11. They 24-4. This is no longer a defence technical issue. This is the coaches can't motivate these players and get their headspace right. This is a mentality issue. I, I, I think it's time to move on. This is... This is a failure of the club, whatever support and infrastructure the club's put around them, to, to support these players because the same thing keeps happening week in, week out for 18 months and nothing's moved forward. Oh, I mean, it's the same thing. They played, uh, honestly, fantastic footy to take the lead. They were brilliant tries, eyes up football, a great pass by Sexton, Corey Thompson, like the kick through for Brimson. It was really good football, and as soon as the Broncos got one or two lucky bounces, their heads just dropped, and they just got run 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 over. Basically, what about the short kickoff? If that's the decision making Tino's making, maybe you shouldn't have the youngest member of the squad as your captain. Yeah, I don't look. I know that they gamble, but the thing is, they so they not did, at I that think point. Little, they no. were up. They were miles up. They just needed to get into the grind. They need what they needed was a Cameron Smith or someone to say, "Hey, let's not lose control of the game here. Let's get back into the ground." Yes, the I grind. agree. They let's totally make lost our tackles. It. Let's get territory. They just lost their minds. You know, a couple of like lucky deflections, and that's it. It was game over, and the top momentum just shifted so much, and then it was just a matter of when they were going to 
the Broncos were going to hit the lead and win the game. It was crazy game, crazy game. But typical Titans. Typical Titans, typical Titans. And in one of the lowest uh, attended games this season, up at um, Redcliffe, <laughs> Red yeah. well, yeah. Yes. There was only 4,000 people to watch this blockbuster between the Warriors or, 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 and the Or Knights. sitting on the veranda watching the game and, with the and lunch. Surprise, <laughs> we, we do have to do that one day. It's, it's actually a really good spot to watch it from. Um once again, the Warriors couldn't get above 18 points. It was 12-all <laughs> at half-time, and they ended up losing this game 24-16. to 16. Uh, Marcel Montoya got sin-binned in the 58th minute, which I think swung the game. Yeah, very uh, harshly. Yeah, harshly, harsh yes. sin-binning. There was a few decisions that I felt were a bit tough on the Warriors. You know, really the Knights... It, this game never hit any heights for me. No. Um, you know, I, I think... If the, the Warriors will feel a little bit aggrieved losing this, but I think the Knights will, would have felt aggrieved losing it as well. Is, neither team deserved to win this game. Yeah, but one of them had to, yeah? I think that's a good summation. Like, the, the Warriors, they started off, it was a very easy, sloppy defence by the Knights a few times. I thought they were going to kill them. And then, you know, good football by the Knights and good expansive football got them back into the game really quickly. And then, yeah, it was just a matter of who stuffed up the least in the last 40 minutes and the Simbinning didn't help. And then the Knights ended up sneaking away with a win. Not a good game. Yeah, no, it wasn't a great game. Next game was interesting. Um, yes. Which was the Rabbitohs versus the Tigers. This, they, they had f- close to 14,000 people at Acor Stadium in Homebush. Um, it ended up eight th- tries to three. But I actually... Geez, I thought the Tigers were really good in the first half. They were up 18-12, and I thought I, th- I really thought they were the better side. But in the second half, whatever happened at halftime, they just didn't come out of the sheds. It, it, they just ran in six tries, and it was just a bit of a... And, and they just they just came in over the top and really barraged them in the end. I still don't know what to take away from this Rabbitohs team. You summed up the Rabbitohs we were talking about the last round. They're very hot and cold at the moment. They, things click. And they're hot, and then when things are not at the moment, it just sort of goes to a... They lose their, their way a little bit. I thought the Tigers played really, really good football in the first half. I thought that they were the better side, and then the Rabbitohs just ran over the top of them in the second half. Their, their left-hand side sort of got clicking a little bit, and the Tigers couldn't couldn't stop it. Confidence of the Rabbitohs shot up in that second half, and things that they were trying started to get... You know, started to work. And once they do work, like you say, they can pile on the points really fast. So a good win, but not a bad performance by the Tigers either, even though, like you say, the score looked like it was a thrashing. I don't know if it really was. They just fell away, the Tigers. All right, let's move on to the next game. So we'll see. Well, the Souths have got to buy this week, so that's probably good for them. The next game was the Sharks versus the Roosters. A lot of people did tip the Sharks in this. I thought the Roosters' um, class would tell in the end. And, and you know what? After a really solid start, they have been a bit more inconsistent, the Sharks. So I thought my, my personal view was that the Roosters' experience would see them over the end. And I and, and I think that's what happened, actually. You know, it was 20-0 at halftime. The Roosters dominated from the from the, to, from the the get-go. I mean, it was 16-all in the second half. And, and Canberra, were, uh, Cronulla Sharks were a lot better in the second half. Um, and that they, they nearly made a game of it right, but then there was a couple of tries to Joey Manu and Connor Watson at the end that really they kicked away again right at the death. So um, it was they got it back to 24 to 16, but but not, not really close enough to win it. And I felt like the Roosters put the cue in the rack and just held them at, at arm's length in the second half. Agree. I, I thought the Roosters were by far the better side. They, they looked good. They moved the ball well. They were supporting. Teddy was heavily involved. I think their third try with the you know forward pass by Teddy was, was gr- great though. But in terms of their support, their offload, and their playing through the middle, and I thought the Roosters' defence was really good against the Sharks. And the Sharks, 
They've gone off the boil a little bit. I think they need to reset again. You know, they played okay, but I think the Roosters I, I were way too good. I think they got a new good. coach bounce, right? And, yeah. And let me put it to you this way. The Roosters beat the Sharks quite comfortably, and the Panthers hammered the Roosters. So the the Sharks, a lot of t- t- people were saying they're fourth or fifth or sixth in the comp, right? The Sharks. Yes. That's the difference between the Panthers and the fifth or sixth place team. It's, Agreed. It's a golf. It's, it's a, a golf massive golf. Huge. But yeah, great. I thought the Roosters looked and Teddy looked a lot better in this game. Not because they won. It was just he did. But it's one game. He's 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 had games like this. He's had games like this this season. He hasn't been consistently brilliant like he like we're used to with Teddy. Yeah, but good win for the Roosters. Um, keeps them in um, good position on the ladder. Let's move on to Super Sunday, which actually lived up to its billing. It did. Uh, this was a great game at Belmore. Can I say that first off? The Bulldogs did end up losing at thirty-four to twenty-four, um, but the pe- the sixteen thousand people that were in Belmore got entertainment, which yes, I think they did. for their long-suffering. Yes. 17,000 fans nearly, so so they got entertainment in this game. I don't care they if they got, lose. They got, I want entertainment. That's <laughs> they, got, they got 10 tries in this game. The Dragons were up 16-6 at halftime, um, but I thought in the second half, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, there was no defence in the second half. I'll, I'll no. Put you, I'll no. put it to you that way. But but I won't say too much about this, given it's your, your boys, and they were at Belmore. What did you think of this one? What I liked about it was it was a great day for the footy. The sun was shining at Belmore, um, packed house, um, a lot of Dragons fans and a lot of Dogs fans, so it's good Sunday football. Mick Potter has changed the way they play in attack. Cole Flanagan, for the first time, was heavily involved on both sides of the ruck. He played his best game, I think, for the Bulldogs in a year and a half. I thought Matt Burden picked his spots a lot more. There wasn't as much pressure on him. So he was more effective, although not as dominant touch-wise in terms of the ball. And and Matt Dufty was pushing up and creating danger and creating most of our tries, to be honest. So you saw a little bit more of his attacking Arsenal. But I thought the Dragons took advantage of some soft defence and bad reads by Addo Carr, surprisingly. And the Dragons defensively in the middle were relatively good. Um, but out wide is where we were targeting them and found some success. So, but we had to play really good football to do that. But eventually, the Dragons came over the top of us, and down the middle, there was just three or four soft barge over tries over one or two players. And the defense in the middle of the ruck, especially the goal line defense, was very poor. And I think that actually cost the Bulldogs the victory, to be honest. I thought the Dragons scored too many soft tries through the middle. And Mick Potter had a go at them after the game about that as well. He just said, We're not tough enough, and our defense, goal line defense in the middle is abysmal. Good entertainment, good style of footy. Good to watch, good game, um, good win for the Dragons. They, they did enough defensively to win the game and scored some easy tries. All right, let's move on to the last game of round 12. As I said, we've, we've got 16 games to cover, so we haven't gone into in-depth as we normally would for each of these games. Um, but we'll be, normal service will be resumed this week. There's only four games this week. Um, Raiders versus the Eels. This was also another great game, actually, which two weeks in a row now the Raiders have shown up. Um, it ended up 28-20 to the mighty, mighty Parramatta Eels. But it really came at the end, right? Um, it was 18-16 at half halftime. Um, it was a really topsy-turvy first half where the Raiders scored the first try after Bailey Simonson dropped a, a kick. And then I absolutely went apeshit on Bailey Simonson via text message. And he then proceeded to have his best game of the season. Jamal Ford <laughs> was back. Jamal Fogarty Did you send, the, send the text messages to the trainer who ran out? Oh, I must the game. have. I must Bailey. have. Um, I must have. I absolutely must have. It was, it was three tries apiece in the first half. So so Sebastian Chris got the first one. Then Penasini and Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown had an absolute barnstorm of this game. He was superb. 
um, and it, continuing his form. If he was, if he wasn't a Kiwi, he'd be knocking on the door for the Origin team. That's he'd be close. He'd be yeah, close. he'd be really close. And if he's going to play for New Zealand at the end of the year, that's that's a pretty good sign for them too. So, um, and then we scored two quick tries to retake the lead, um, and then we got another one to kick away again. We were up, we were up like sixteen to to six at this point. But then Elliot Whitehead and Sebastian Chris got a couple of tries, and they took the lead, 18-16. Um, in the second half, though, the Raiders again couldn't get over the line, and our, we scored two tries, um, second to Bailey Simonson, and, a, and, a, and a, actually a second to Dylan Brown, which was a superb try. They were all converted in the second half, and uh, that 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 was the story of tail of the tape, really. I mean, Dylan Brown superb, but again, I think the story here is the Raiders again. Second halves are still a problem. It's getting better, but it's still a problem for them. It is getting better. I think um, I like Xavier Savage at the back, or Mr. Action Man, uh, Macho Man Savage. He, he played pretty well. I think Zach Wolford's really helped the Raiders at hooker. They seem to have a, a good balance with Tom Starling and, and Zach Wolford, so maybe that's why they're looking a little I bit think, better I in think, attack. I think Tom Starling's court cases and all the drama around him, he, he just hasn't been that same player that he was last year or the year before right he just he's not as he's not as uh speedy he's not as ta- you know it's just it's not working a little bit him. off yep yeah. and I, th- I thought joe joe tarpane had one of his joe tarpane games where he's just athletic dominant agile playing well now they they got run down but the eels are one of the better teams in the competition and um there was a few lucky bounces to either side with some of the bombs and stuff like that and good to see wanga blake back too and i thought the eels again Tim did enough to to win the game, like their 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 defense sort of. But it wasn't great in the first half. It's well, their defense is not great. I know you, you. I kept saying this to you earlier in the season. You were saying you're much higher on their defense than I am. I don't think their defense has been good this year. It's not as good as it has been, but it keeps them close enough so that if the momentum shifts, that they can score points. And I think Dylan Brown was fantastic and made a few game changing plays and momentum changing plays at key moments and put the Eels on the attack. The Raiders didn't play too bad. They're, they're on an upswing form-wise, and the Eels, again... It was a good game. You know, good game. Probably not at their best, but, you know, a game that they, again, need to win, and they and they won the game. So it keeps them in touch with the top four. I still think, in the back of my mind, I'm still hopeful we finish top four, to be honest with you. Well, they're in. They're, they're winning the games that they need to just be there. We're, on, so we're that, on equal points with the Broncos and Cowboys that are in front of us, right? So so I I, I do think we, we're a decent chance. Just our four and against it's got us out. All right, shall we move on to the round 13 preview then, G? Sorry, we're rushing through this. We Timing go. is not great this week. There's only four games. Half the teams have a bye. <laughs> First up, this is a really tough game for us to pick, or for me to pick. It's Titans versus Cowboys. The Titans are $2.60 outsiders, and the Cowboys are $1.50. The Titans have five and a half points start. I'm going to tip the Cowboys because Tino's in origin. Yes. But, that's a, but that's Ruben Cotter call. and Val, Val Holmes are also big outs. Yes. And Tom Dearden. That's going to change the way the Cowboys play. I just think the Titans defensively... The, yeah, I don't know. They're really key for the way the Cowboys are. I know. Attacking. It's a tough one. It's a really, really tough one. To <laughs> you pick. know what? I'm tipping the Cowboys because the Titans... But I can't, just... I can't trust the I Titans. Can't, I can't. I I'm can't tipping trust the Cowboys. The no, I'm tipping the Cowboys. Although I might change that because I, I think if, they don't, if they're not up for this game after what happened last week and the Cowboys have Val Holmes, Tom Dearden, although Tom Dearden might be released back because he's not in the 18, um, and Ruben Cotter out, I just... I just 
you know, if they're not up for this, uh, you know, the it'll never happen. The coach, it'll never happen for them. All right, next game again because seven players out with Origin is there's only one game on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is the Friday game. It's the Panthers versus the Dogs. Panthers are a dollar thirty-one favourites. Dogs are three dollars fifty outsiders, and the Dogs have nine and a half points start. When I look at these teams on paper, I go, the Dogs are a real show, and then I tip the Panthers. I think the Dogs have improved a lot. I think I'm going to tip the Panthers solely because of the defense, even though they have changes, and they've got a guy called Kurt Falls, who I've never heard of playing 5-8. So <laughs> um, they have so many people out that you, I don't even know who some of these players are, but they've still got a lot of their key players. What, and a, what a shit act by the NRL as well. You knew there were going to be a lot of Panthers players, so instead of making the Panthers play the second week of the bye, they've made them The first the one. There's like 74 players But they've given them the out. dogs. But they've given them the yep, dogs. Yeah, they have. So... You know what? I think this might be closer than I think because I, I I think this is a, I think all the players being out really throws some of these games. Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard game. I think I'm going to tip the tip Penrith because of their defence, but I think this will be a very close game actually. Yeah, I, well, I think both games will be close, but I think the Titans game will Titans will be up forty seven nil at halftime and, and lose, lose fifty to forty seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Saturday game, Super Saturday. Yep. Thank, thank God. Thankfully, there's only one game. Manly versus the Warriors. Manly's a dollar fifty-four favourites. Um, Warriors are two dollars fifty, um, and the Warriors have four and a half points start. The Warriors are unaffected by Origin, unsurprisingly. Manly have DCE out. Yes, and obviously Tommy Turbo's out for the season, which we spoke about a little bit yep. earlier. I'm going to tip Manly, but not with a great deal of confidence. I'm the same. I'm tipping Manly for that reason, and I think Schuster would. Do a good job at five eight. I, I am worried about the kicking game. Kieran Foran's not the greatest kicker in the world, so I think that will be hampered a little bit. But I don't know. The the, the Warriors just don't seem to like you say score enough points to win the games. They they just grind. Well, in if Manly gets twenty four, if Manly it's gets game over, pretty much the game over, right? So they just need four converted tries. Yeah, I th- look. I'm tipping Manly. I think they'll 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 win this game. All right. Um, last game, which we'll be doing the pod during this game this week, is the Raiders versus the Roosters. Because uh, I'm off overseas, um, yep. Raiders are two dollars thirty-five outsiders. Roosters are a dollar sixty favourites. The Raiders have three and a half points start, so the bookies think this one will be a close game. The Roosters only have Daniel Tupu out. I think that's right. There's no one else in Origin from them. No, and Tedesco, Jimmy T. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a big out, right? But Joey yes. Manu will probably yes, go back to fullback. Yep. So, and Jack Whiten's a big, and Isaac Isaac Papali is a big out for the Raiders. So I am going to. I think the those two players are more important to the Raiders than players missing to the Roosters are to the Roosters because I think the Roosters can cover for it. So I'm going to tip the Roosters. I'm going with the bookies. I think this is going to be a very close game, but I'm tipping the Roosters because I think... I think all these games are going to be close. Yeah, the Roosters, I just think, will have a little bit too much class for the Raiders. But honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders win this game. I think this is going to be very close, this one. Uh, apologies again. We've missed the fortnight, but hopefully we've covered off the last fortnight's worth of footy for you. We will be Normal service will be resumed with a very quick pod this week because there's only four games. Um, and we will see you again next week. And thanks for listening. Thank you, G. See you, T, and enjoy your trip on Sunday. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.